I love our church. Can I get an amen? Man, uh, this is what I believe. I believe that we are the body of Christ called to live different, to invite people to come together, to invest in each other, and to engage in what matters most because of Jesus. And today I want us to think about, think about that just a little bit. Before we do, though, I want to take a moment, and I just want to celebrate some of the incredible things that I see happening in this place. And I, I know, I, I take it for granted because I, I get to work here, I get to eat, breathe, and sleep Riverside every day, and, and I get to hear the stories, and, and, and maybe some of you don't. And so I want to take just, just a, a minute to share with you some of the incredible things that are happening that you may or may not even be aware about. I love this. I'll start with this. Last Sunday, we had a visitor here at Riverside, and she came up and she found me after church, and she grabbed me. She said, hey, I just want to introduce myself, and I, wanna, I just want to tell you something. Something special is happening in this church. Keep it up. And I was like, wow. She's like, I want you to know from an outsider looking in, today was awesome. She was here last Sunday. And I love what God is doing in this place. And it was so encouraging and refreshing for me to hear that. I love that. I love that in less than a month. I don't know if you've thought about this, but we've had two different, uh, you know, standing ovations or spontaneous applause. You know, once last week when we had Justin Elliott here as our special guest and speaker talking about Jesus being the light of the world. If you missed last Sunday, I would encourage you to go back and listen, but I would really encourage you to go back online and watch it. To hear and to see what Jason had to share with us. And as soon as he finished, all of you just stood up and I got to lean over and whisper in his ear that you were standing and applauding and praising God for him and his story. And then a couple of weeks ago, I got to introduce uh, our new student minister, Grayson Tucker. And once again, this section burst out in applause. And that was a fantastic moment for this church. I'm so excited Grayson is here. Margaret Ann will be here this time next week, right? And so she's almost here, pretty close. So I'm excited that they are here and getting to, to love and to lead our teens. We really have a fantastic staff, and I don't know if you know this, but I, this is one of the best staffs I've ever had the, the opportunity to work with. Over the last year, we've added over 40 new members, 15 different families who have come to Riverside, and they've decided to make this church their church. And one of the joys of my job is I get to sit down and I get to meet with almost, not, not all, I, I can't make everyone, but almost every new member uh, when they meet with one of our shepherds, I get to sit in and, and, and listen and meet with them too. And I always ask them, you know, why, why are you coming to Riverside? Why are you making this church your church? And uh, they say a lot of great things about you, about this place. But there's three things that almost every one of them say. Almost every one of them say is, first, we found you online and we love your website. Great job. And that, that's your front door. And so it's fantastic. So apparently we have one of the best church websites. We'll take that and give a high five to those people. Fantastic. But then they say these two things. They say, uh, Riverside is such a welcoming church. They say this about you, that we came in and we felt love, that people talked to us, they were friendly, and they were welcoming, and they welcomed us here, they welcomed us to lunch, they welcomed us to their small group, they welcomed us to their class. They, they just very quickly, you guys are good at this, you're good at being a welcoming group of people, and that's incredible. And then they say, they say this, they say, we love your worship. They say the worship at Riverside, it feels spirit-led. I've heard that more than one occasion. Every new member comments on our worship, and I'm so grateful. I said this to our praise team yesterday. They were here all day doing a praise team retreat, learning a lot of these new songs that we're learning as a church in this place. And I told them, in my heart of hearts, I want Riverside. I want us to be a worshiping church, and I really do. It matters. It matters how we worship. It matters that we worship. And I'm so glad that when people come in this place, one of the things they comment on is that you, that we are a worshiping church. I love that. 
We're having countless visitors come every week. And by the way, some of you are repeat visitors. You've been repeating. Uh, you've been long-standing visitors for a long time. I'd love to invite you to come on in and become a member. But I love that we have new people coming here. I get to meet new people every single week that are coming to Riverside. We have some incredible men serving as elders of this church. And you don't get to see some of what I get to see. But I get to see these men loving you and leading you and praying for you and crying tears over you and and if you're sick they want to pray with you if you're hurting they want to pray with you and they do this and I, and I love to be around them when they do this I'm so thankful uh, out of all the places I've ever been blessed to, to work and serve I love I love our elders here and I love the way they love and they lead you in recent weeks we've had new people step up and step in to volunteer and to serve in different ways in this church. And I love that. I love that you love to serve this church. I love that you love to serve each other. And if you're one of our numerous volunteers, countless volunteers, who serves this church in any way, whether in the classroom as a greeter or in the sound booth, or I don't know how you do it, but everyone here, so many of you are involved in serving this church. And I love the way you love this church. And I want to say, I want to say thank you for that. That's incredible. And then here's one that will blow your mind. I, I, I alluded to it earlier in the welcome, but I want to say this. You are a church of uncommon generosity. I'm going to prove it to you. Uh, just at the end of last year, we had our annual Harvest Sunday. And our Harvest Sunday, if you don't know, that's the one Sunday that we pretty much take up all the money or we pledge all the money we're going to give towards missions for the next year. And we had, we had 91000 that day either given or pledged. And as of this Sunday morning, we checked this morning, checked it three times to make sure it was right. This Sunday morning, out of that $91,000, you have given $94,000 that's already been collected. Yeah, praise God for that. That is awesome. Awesome. Uh, it's only March. This is the first Sunday in March, and we've gotten 94 of the 91 collected. I don't know how that math works out. I'm not good at it, but that's pretty, pretty good. We had a big goal of 100000 We're only 6000 away from there. DJ can write that check. We'll have it good today. We are so close. Now, I'm really excited about that. This is, you are a church of uncommon generosity, and I praise God. I love our church. And this is a church that, man, is so good, is so kind, is so loving, is so generous. And I'm glad that we get to gather today. We get to gather today to think about who we are and who we want to be. And this is such a big deal. I, I want to start with this question. And I want you to really think about this. I, I'm being dead serious. In your mind, when you think about it, what is the mission of God? This may be the most important question I ever asked this church. What is the mission of God? What was the mission of Jesus when he came and he walked the planet? What was his life all, of, all about? What was he trying to do? What is, if Jesus were today, here today to set the mission and vision for Riverside, what would he want it to be? What would he want to do in this church, through this church? What would he want to do in this city and in this world, in us and through us? What is the mission of God? And are we on board with what God is trying to do in this place? Earlier this week, I was in San Antonio with, with Jason Graves, one of our other ministers, and we were at a, a conference called the Neighborhood Collective, and I, I look forward to telling you more about that later on. But, but the whole idea was really simple. Uh, there were about 150 or 200 church leaders that gathered in San Antonio, and, and the whole idea was, let's think about this. Jesus said the two most important things were, one, to love God, and two, to love your neighbor. So what would happen if we as the church, as the body of Christ, what if we literally loved our neighbor? 
What would happen? What would happen in our, in our city? What would happen in, in, in the state? What would happen in this world if we just took Jesus' command literally and literally loved the people that lived next door to us? What would change? What would be important? And I think this is an important question. This is important for us to think about as a church. What would happen if we did this? Because what happens, at least I'll tell you, I, I don't want to speak for you. What happens for me is, I, is I, found, I find loopholes in what Jesus calls us to do sometimes, Right? So Jesus said, yeah, 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 love God and love your neighbor. These are the most, two most important things. And so for me, you know, I've lived in places, in neighborhoods where I didn't know my neighbors. And so I define neighbor as the people I work with. And I define neighbor as the people I go to school with. Or I define neighbor as, as the people that my kids are on, you know, teams or, or whatever with. And those people are my neighbors. Or my neighbors are the people who, who live halfway around the world that I'm going to go serve on a mission trip. And, and all those things are true, Right? But I think you and I both know that in our heart of hearts, we're called to love them, to love people we work with, to love people we go to school with, to love people halfway around the world. But we're also, we're also called to love, to love our, our literal neighbor, to love those people that are living around us, to love the people on our right and on our left, across the street and behind us, to know their names and to be Jesus in our neighborhoods, to love the people in our neighborhoods like Jesus has loved us. And what would happen if we did that? I think it's important. It's important for us to think about. It's important because, and again, you know this is true, but we live, we live in a time where the world, uh, it just feels this way. I don't know if this is exactly right, but it feels like we live in a time when the world has never been more divided. In every way, there is so much division in the world around us right now. It's all about who can scream their opinion or their side the loudest. It seems like they win the argument. It's all about winning. It's not about listening. It's all about talking. It's not about having compassion or sympathy or ears to hear what the other person is saying. We live in a world that's never been more divided socially, economically, dare I say politically, in every single way, religiously. I don't think, it's, I don't think it should be any surprise to us, although we don't think about it in these terms. That one of the enemies, one of Satan's greatest tools in his tool bag is division. And if he can divide people, if he can get a foothold, if he can find a reason for us to disagree, then we'll forget all about how to love each other. Because we're more concerned with being right or what we think than we are with loving the way Christ loved us. We live in a world that's never been more divided. But not just that. We live in a world where people have never been more connected but have never felt more alone. I've got to read these numbers to you because I just, I can't remember and there's too many to remember, but I want you to hear this. Did you know that right now, this probably won't surprise you, but there are more than 1 billion people connected on Facebook. 1 billion people. So if you're not on Facebook, you're missing out. Not really. Um, There are 974 million people on Twitter, okay? And they're not all following me. Uh, There are 600 million active users on Instagram. It's said that, get this, 8.3 trillion text messages will be sent this year alone. I can't even think that big, all right? But it gets better. Uh, That's almost 23 billion messages per day or almost 16 million messages per minute. Some of you are texting this right now, and so you're you're helping out with these uh, stats here. But it gets better. According to Nielsen, because this is probably what you're wondering. According to Nielsen, the average teenager, you guys over here, sends 3,339 texts per month. So parents, please get on the unlimited text plan. That is going to be important. But there's more, in case you're wondering. 
14 females, not to call you out, send an incredible 4,050 texts per month, while the teen guys send an average of 2,539 texts per month. So, we have never been more connected. But if you look at the research, if you, if you just sit down with a person, what you discover is that people have absolutely never felt more disconnected and more alone. People are craving real connection, deeper connection. People have never been more connected, but they've never felt more alone. But not just that. We live in a, in a time in a world where there's never been more need. And, and it may be hard to see sometimes in, in our community or where you live, because a lot of us live in a more affluent area, but that doesn't mean there's not need. I mean, you know like I know, because you have friends like I have friends, where marriages are falling apart, where kids are falling through the cracks, where young moms are looking for help, where men are striving for all their own things, where, where people literally are looking, reaching out, calling out for help. They, they need help because they're struggling with addiction or they're struggling with depression or they're struggling with problems. They can't make ends meet, even though it seems like they have everything. The truth is they don't have it all together. There's never been more need. And you don't have to drive 20, 30 minutes to find places, even in this city, where, where there are real needs. You know, the kind of needs, needs like food, needs like shelter, needs like people needing help to get back on their feet because of the struggles of life that they've been up under. And you're less than a two-hour plane ride away, some of you that are going to Honduras know this, where you will land in a place where the poverty is so incredible that you don't even know where to start. We live in a world where there, maybe there's never been more need or maybe we've just never been aware because we're more aware than ever of all the need around us. And it's into this world, it's into this time, it's into this place where, where people, people have never been more divided, people have never felt more alone, people have never had more need. But I believe that we as the church, we as the body of Christ, that we are called to step into the world and to live differently. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5. If you have your, your Bible or if you have an app, you want to open up to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at just three or four verses. These words of Jesus, this is what Jesus said. These are the words of the one that we claim to follow. Jesus of Nazareth said, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Salt, you know this. Salt that doesn't have any flavor, it's, it's not completely worthless, but it, it pretty much is. I mean, salt is good. How many of you are salt fans in the room? You put salt on everything? Yeah, thank you. You met people right here. Yeah, this is it. You know, my son, whenever we make popcorn and we finish the popcorn, you know what he does? He licks his finger, then licks the salt out of the bowl, right? <laughs> That's the best part. Salt. Jesus said, you are called to be the salt of the earth. I love how Eugene Peterson says it in his translation of the Bible called The Message. He says it this way. He said, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. I love that. Uh, Not the garbage part, the part that says, if you've lost your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? This This is why you are here. You are here to be the salt of the earth. You're here to bring out the God flavors of the world. And Jesus has called us to be the salt of the earth. Have you ever thought about this though? 
What good is salt, even salt with flavor, if it stays in the container? What good is salt if it stays in the salt shaker? It's really not good for anything. I mean, if you put it on food, it will bring out the best flavors in the world. You can use it for certain things, and it will bring certain things to life. It's good, and it's perfect, and it makes everything better. But if it stays inside the salt shaker, it doesn't do anything. It can't. You ever seen this happen with a person? Saved by the blood of Jesus, sanctified, redeemed. And then they never use what God did in them and did for them and wants to do through them for the good of those around them. They've been made into the salt of the earth, but they've never, they've never let the salt get out of the salt shaker. And it's not good for anything. You ever seen this happen to a church? A group of people, loved by God, sanctified by God, set apart by God, purified by God, refined by God. A church that, that is the salt of the earth, but never gets outside the four walls to share the salt of the earth with the community that God put it in. How many churches have you seen driving down the highway and going to grandma's house and the the little church on the side of the road is all but abandoned and closed down. They say the gravitational pull of the local church is always towards the inside. It's always towards the insiders. It's always towards the needs and wants and preferences of those on the inside of the church. But I believe that Jesus called us to be the salt of the earth, not to stay inside the four walls, but to take this salt and to share it across the community that he's put us in to be the salt seasoning, to bring out the God flavors of the world around us. This is who we're called to be. We're called to be salt, but salt that stays in the container, it's not really good for much, is it? We're called to be salt. We're, salt to, we're called to go out and to share what God has done in us and what God wants to do through us with those around us for the sake and the glory of God. That's who we're called to be. What good is salt if it stays in the container? But Jesus didn't just say we're salt. Should have licked that off, right? He said we're called to be light. In the very next line, Jesus says this, you're the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. This is who you are. And some of you are thinking, just last week we talked about Jesus when he said, he said, I am the light of the world. So how can it be that Jesus says that he is the light of the world, and now all of a sudden he says here in Matthew 5 that, that you, that we are the light of the world. And you know how this works. You know how this works. This is really easy. If Jesus is the light of the world, and that's a really amazing thing, that's who he is. We fully and totally believe that. But Jesus didn't come to be the light of the world, to be self-contained. This is the amazing thing about Jesus, and I, I don't really even quite understand this, and I'm going to mess this up probably. But Jesus, will this work? I should have done this in reverse order, right? This is the smaller one right here. Jesus came to be the light so that then we could share the light. He didn't want to just sit up and say, I'm the light of the world. But he said that you are the light of the world. And we can be the light of the world because he's the light of the world. It's, it's, it's because of who Christ is that we learn who we are. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he turns around and he says, guess what, church? Guess what, disciples? In Matthew 5, what Jesus has done is he's gathered some of his closest disciples together, some of his first followers, and they're on the side of a mountain. And he's telling them what life is like in the kingdom of heaven. And he said, this is what it's like. You're here to be salt, and you're here to be light. And then he says this. I love this. He said, no one lights a lamp. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. You know this is true. 
What happens, what happens to people who are in the dark when they see a light? They're drawn to it. When people are in the dark and they see a light, they're drawn to it. And when we become the light of the world, when we reflect the light of Christ, people are drawn to that light. I've seen it over and over again. This is why God gives us his light. So that, we'll, so that people will be drawn to the light. And Jesus says, this is, this is the way it works. Why, why, do you think, why do you think I have loved you the way I've loved you? So that you can love others the way I've loved you. Why do you think I've been so kind to you? So you can be kind to others. Why do you think I've been so generous towards you? So you can be generous towards others. Why do you think all of it, every spiritual blessing that you have received and that you enjoy in Christ Jesus, you have been given so that you can share that same light with everyone around you. This is who we're called to be. Jesus is the light of the world. And then he gives us this light to shine and to share. And he says this. He says, this is what happens in the same way. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Because when people see this light in you, they will know that there is something different about you. And when they see that, they're going to praise our heavenly Father. Oh, man. This is huge. Don't miss this. Because you would have, you know this, you know yourself better than anyone else knows you. you if it were up to you and your own devices, if it, was, if it was just you responding and reacting in the situation because of how you felt in that moment, you would have done this. The old you would have acted this way. But then, sometime later, you met Jesus. And because of Jesus, when that same exact situation arose, when that same exact thing happened, you responded differently. And why? Because of Jesus. And when people see that change in you, when people see that, that, yeah, you would have done this, but because of Jesus, you did this, they will see your light shining, and they will give glory to your Father in heaven. And church, this is what we're called to do, to shine and share the light of God with the world, to act differently, to live differently, to be salt, to be light because of Jesus. So that, oh man, are you with me? So that when people see how you've been changed, how you've been transformed, how you were once angry, but now you're acting as best you can in the spirit of grace and forgiveness, how once you would have just been totally, totally in, engulfed in, in, in this deal over here, but because of Jesus, you've decided to, 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 to disregard that and get involved. Before, you would have never forgiven them, but now you forgive them on the spot. Everything has changed. Because you met Jesus, and when people see that you've met Jesus, and they see how your life is different because of Jesus, people in darkness are always drawn to the light. And I can't tell you how many stories I've heard, and you know as well, of people that came to know Christ because they saw somebody, maybe it was one of you, who were living differently because of Jesus. This past year, it was a really cool thing. Um, Will got uh, this, this thing at his school. My, my son Will is 10 years old now. He, um, their school was going to take a field trip uh, down to AT&T Stadium. So I told my wife, Alicia, I would happily volunteer to go with my son on this mission trip. Or this uh, mission trip. <laughs> wow. 
They probably need Jesus too, let's be honest. But this was a field trip. And, uh, you, know, it's, uh, you know, we went down there and it was the coolest experience. Maybe you've done this before. But you get to go down, you get to tour the stadium, you pull up right up front, they let you out, they meet you at the front door, they take you inside, they walk you around, they, they sit you up there in the stadium, and you get to see the mega jumbotron, they tell you all the facts about it, how much it costs, how big it is, how much it weighs, it just blows your mind. They walk you down to the locker rooms, you get to see where the players uh, get dressed before the game, they walk you back up to the skyboxes, and you get to sit in these seats that cost, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, and, and you get to learn all about that, you get to do all of these cool things, and it's absolutely amazing, but you know what the best part of the whole deal was after lunch we got to go down on the field and have free time and play football like literally on the same field where the Dallas Cowboys play football I I got to drop back and throw touchdown passes to my son in the end zone it was amazing it was amazing we loved it we had the best time ever you know I, I think this is what happens to us as a church so many times like, we get so caught up. Uh, it's one thing to see AT&T Stadium, you know, on TV. It's another thing to, 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 to drive down there and see it in person. It's a whole other thing to get to, to walk around it and learn all about it. But it's a whole different level to get to get on the field and play. In church, so many times, we get so caught up with coming and learning all about what God wants to do. Trying to figure out what the game plan is to reach the world. We talk about what our coach is saying in the words of Jesus, and we try to analyze them and break them down. Like, what did Jesus mean when he said, be the salt of the earth? What is the word salt in Greek? How does that work out? It's salt, people. It's light, people, you know? We we try to analyze and break and parse out everything, and the whole time Jesus is saying, just get into the game. Get onto the field. Play. Put on a jersey. Get out of the stands. Get off the sidelines. There is a game. There is a battle going on, and Jesus is inviting us. This is an invitation. To get into the game and to live a different kind of life and to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. Because news flash, he is still alive. And his ministry continues through his body, which is us, the church. What is the mission of God? I love the way Leslie Newbigin says that he's an author, speaker, teacher, scholar. He says this. He said, the church is sent into the world to continue that which Jesus came to do in the power of the same spirit, reconciling people to God. When I ask you that question, what is the mission of God? You you might have come up with some different words, but I think we would all pretty much agree. The mission of God has been the same since the very beginning of time. He has always, always, always been trying to bring people into relationship with him. He has always, always, always been trying to reconcile people back to him, to make things right between him and people. And he has called us, the church, the body of Christ, to go into the world and to be salt and light so that we can live different, so that when people see us, And they see our good deeds and they see the things we do. They see how our lives have been changed by Jesus because Jesus changes everything. The cross changes everything. And then when we've met Jesus, when we've come to the cross and we see what he's done for us, it changes our lives. And when we see that, when we experience that, when it changes everything for us, people see our good deeds. For what purpose? Jesus said it. So that. So that people will give glory 
They will praise our Father in heaven. So how do we do it? We're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks, but, and again, we could find lots of words for this, and this is nothing new, right? This is maybe some language that we can get around. How do we, how do we do that? How do we be salt? How do we be light? How do we live different? I think in a world that's never been more divided, it would be amazing for us to be a church. And I think, by the way, I think this is true of us. This is both who we are and who we aspire to be, right? But in a world that's never been more divided, I think it would be amazing for us to be a church, a place that invites people to come together. Regardless of their background, regardless of their tradition, regardless of their experience, regardless of their, where they come from socially, economically, regardless of who they voted for, that in this place we gather here in the name of Jesus and we just invite people to come together under the love of Christ. That maybe in a world where, where people have never been more connected but have never felt more alone, that we say we want to be a place. This is who we are, but it's also who we aspire to be. We, we want to be a place where we invest in each other, where we're going to create a place where you belong. And, and if you come here, we want to invest in you. We want to invite you to invest in us because we just really do believe in the heart of our hearts that we follow Jesus better when we follow him together, that no one was created to go it alone. And if you come in this place, this is a church that will be a family for you. This is a place where you can belong. This is a place where if you come, we would love to invest in you and we would love to have you invest in us. And that in a world where there's never been more need, where you look around and we've never been more aware of the needs around us that we want, to, we want to engage in what matters most because of Jesus. We're looking for opportunities to use our time and our resources, use our energies well in the name of Jesus to engage what matters most, to look and to see and to ask him, you know, God, break our heart for what breaks yours and help us to engage in what matters most in this place, in your kingdom. Where do you want us to go? We sang it earlier, I will follow. Show us where to go. We want to engage in what matters most because of Jesus. This is who we want to be. I don't think there's anyone that would disagree with this. We want to be salt. We want to be light. We want to literally live differently because of Jesus. And we want to invite people into that growing relationship with him to be transformed more and more into the image of his son, Jesus. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. In John 10, Jesus said these words. You know these words. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I've come that you might have a different kind of life. That you could live differently in this world and it's a good life. And today, what I want to just simply ask you to do is think about this. Are you on mission with God for God? What is the mission of God? And how are you participating in it? How can we as a church participate in it together? For some of us, maybe we've been around the game for a long time, but it's just time to get back into the game, to get on the field. For some of you, maybe you've never taken that step to, to, to be on the team. <laughs> we believe that if you, if you want to this morning, and we would love to pray with you, we'd love to help you with this, but we believe when you walk into these waters of baptism that that, that you, you step out of darkness into light, that you come out a different person, literally a new creation, Paul would say. 
whatever the case and whatever your needs are, what I want to do this morning is say, let's be that kind of church. Let's be the kind of church that when Jesus, if he were here to get today to gather us around as his disciples and to speak to us on the side of a mountain, he would say these words, Riverside Church, be salt. Be light. The world around you needs your compassion. The world around you needs the light and the salt. The world around you, the answer to all of their problems is Jesus. So would you go and share and shine for me? This morning, if, if you need prayer, our, our, our elders, our shepherds are going to be around the room. They may be praying with some of you. They may be standing at the edges. That's, that's, that's your invitation uh, to walk up to one of them. You can come up and find me. We'd love nothing more to pray with you if you have a need. If you want to get off the sidelines and back in the game, if you want to take that first step into the waters of baptism and become a follower of Jesus of Nazareth, we would love to pray with you. But let's be a church this week. Think about this. What's one way you could live differently this week because of Jesus? Find one way. Who could you invite to coffee to lunch? Who could you invite to church? Who could you invest in? Who needs your, your counsel, your advice, your, your coaching, your wisdom, your encouragement? How could you get engaged? How could you use your time and your resources? How could you live, leverage what God has given you for the kingdom of God this week? How can we live differently? Because of Jesus.